just realized I, I need to change the, the stand here for you. Um, you prefer to use the music stand rather than the table. See, I know my people. I know my people. <laughs> nice. So, friends, we are going to, I think, be blessed. We're going to have three guys sharing with us. Malcolm is going to kick us off, then Dallin, and then Tim. And I want to encourage you to make notes, to be open to what God wants to say to you. Um, it really is a picture of the body working together. And as we were sharing some of these prophetic words with one another, I believe God empowers us to build one another up as each part of the body does its work. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for Malcolm, for, for Dallin, and for Tim, Lord. Thank you for this time, Lord. As we sit on your word, we want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Make us new and help us to know you in greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm sorry it wasn't boxing rather than wrestling, but anyway. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a quick question. How many of you believe that you've been placed in the church? You've been placed into the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit? I see one hand. Some of you are a little uncertain. Thank you. Now the next question is, how many of you are playing to your full potential in the body of Christ? Because in the body of Christ, we all get to play. We all get to play, which to me is the most wonderful thing. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, we read this. For in one spirit, one Holy Spirit, we were all baptized, I've put in brackets, plunged, immersed, placed into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. Sorry, I just put the wrong timer on and I'm going to probably overstep the mark here. Anyway, just shout when I'm going too long. <laughs> At the age of seven, I fell in love with soccer. And I had the privilege of playing league soccer till the age of 38. I had the privilege of playing first team at Rhodes University and carried on until I was 38. I hardly ever sat on the bench, for which I'm incredibly grateful. I would rather play in the second team than sit on the bench. I think sitting on the bench, it is so frustrating because you know you can do better than the guys who are doing at the moment. <laughs> You're thinking, if only I could get on there, I'll score a goal, I'll make a goal. These oaks are a bunch of palookas. Let me get on there. <laughs> but I'm very lucky. I never, I never had much of that. But I'd rather play in the second team than sit on the bench. And I want to ask you a question. Are you on the bench or are you in the game? Because God wants you to be fully in the game. I have three quick points, all beginning with P. Number one, you and I have been placed in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural action. 
God himself, by the Holy Spirit, has taken you out of the world. He's carved you out of the rock. He's forgiven you of your sin. He's cleansed you and washed you and sanctified you. And he's placed you in this glorious body of Christ. You've been baptized into a living body. It's not a club. It's not an institution. It's into a living, organic body. You cannot join the church. Yes, you can join this local church with pleasure, but you cannot join the church. You cannot join the body of Christ. You and I are placed into the body by the work of the Holy Spirit, and we need to have a little bit of the fear of God upon us and understand that this is not a club or an institution. It's the body of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the most treasured possession in the universe. The Holy Spirit has baptized you, plunged you, placed you into the body. The second point is also with a P. Are you playing your part? Many years ago in the 90s, I was coming through a long illness. I was part of New Covenant Church at Bryanston. I was leading the then NCMI Bible College. And one day, Ian McKellar, the lead pastor, um, he took my wife, Jill, and I to Australia with them to uh, a wonderful training time with Dudley Daniel. And after the, after the time together, having coffee, he said, did you get a word at the leadership time? And he said, no. He said, well, we've got a word for you. We want you to come onto the eldership team at Bryanston. It was an eldership team of 15 couples, very big church, 1,200 people in the morning meeting. And I said, oh, Ian, I'm not up today. I'm still getting stronger. And this is what he said to me. He said, come onto the team and just play to your strength. Just come onto the team and play to your strength. And friends, what an incredible journey that turned out to be. It wasn't easy. I had to dig deep for the grace of Christ. But it was one of the most wonderful seasons I've ever been in. Because in time, next to Ian McKellar, I was the, the regular preacher with 1,200 people. What an incredible privilege. And I put my hand up so <laughs> sort of hesitantly being aware of my weakness, physically and just mentally tired. And he said, come and play to your strengths. And you know, Ian McKellar paid me one of the most wonderful compliments I've ever had in my life. He was a, a Manchester United fan. And, and I know at this point we need to just say, just a, a caution to sensitive listeners, to like Liverpool fans and, and, and Tottenham Hotspur fans. Ian McKellar was a Manchester United uh, fan and uh, a, a real fan of Alex Ferguson, one of the best coaches ever. And on that team, there was a guy by the name of Teddy Sheringham. And Teddy Sheringham was an, the oldest guy on the, on, the, on the team. And he never played a full game. But when Alex Ferguson called him onto the pitch... You either made a goal or scored a goal. Can we have that wonderful, you got it. I mean, 
That's life. That's enthusiasm. That's what happens when you score a goal. And he was like Alex Ferguson's trump card. And Ian McKellar said to me, you are my Teddy Sheringham. The oldest guy on the team can't always play a full game. But when you come on, you make a difference. What an incredible, incredible honor. <laughs> Teddy Sheringham said this, you don't want to be known or called a super sub. You know, a substitute. You don't want to be called a super sub or a great sub. You, you don't want to be known as a substitute. You want to be known as someone who was passionate for the game, that when he got in the field, he gave it all to score that goal. And finally, you and I are positioned. We are positioned in the body of Christ. And our position needs to be one of drinking from the Holy Spirit because our calling will never have any effect without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. Let's think about soccer or any other sport. They've got one one goal in mind, and that is to win. To win. And they, they will do everything they need to to reach that goal. They think soccer, they speak soccer, they watch soccer, they practice, they hone their skills, and they each bring their skills to the table for the common good of the team. And they know they're there not just for themselves and for their glory. They're there for the team's glory. They're there to win cups. Friends, what an incredible picture of the church. We have one goal. It is to glorify God by the preaching of the gospel and to extend the kingdom by baptizing people and discipling the nations. That's the goal. And that's all they do. Friends, I want to say to you, this expression when we are together like this, this is just half time. This is just time to catch a, an orange or to get an energy drink and to get encouraged as we're going to go back on the field for the second half. This is half time, friends, and it's wonderful. Thank God for half time. Hey, where you can just catch your breath, get a bit of energy in, listen to what the coach says, try some new moves, and we go back out onto the pitch. Friends, this is halftime. This is party time. This is when God's children come together and have a ball. We dance, we sing, we shout, we cry, we laugh, and we experience the presence of God. But it's only for one purpose. Because tomorrow... You're back on the pitch. Tomorrow, you're back in the war. This is, there's no war here. People love you here. This is, this is wonderful. But tomorrow, in the office, at school, at varsity, wherever you are, you're in war. 
but you've been strengthened by the saints and you've been commissioned to go out again. And then Wednesday or Tuesday or whenever, you're in life group and say, yo, thank God, I'm with my brothers and sisters. I need encouragement. Or I need to give encouragement. I need prayer. I need to pray for somebody. And we get strengthened again. We get a midweek, a midweek halftime to go back into the war. And so... I want to conclude and say this to you today. I want to urge you to accept the responsibility that God has placed in your lap. As a child of God and as a member of His incredible body. I really want to urge you. If you do not have a passion for the body of Christ, ask God to give it to you. If you do not yet have a passion to be playing to your full potential in the body of Christ, ask the Holy Spirit to give that to you. Because this is not just what it's about. It's about going out of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Stop sitting on the bench. Become a player. Friends, it's the most thrilling thing Honestly, we need, to, we need to get to that place where we enjoy ministering for Jesus. When we get the joy of sharing the gospel or praying for someone who's going through a difficult time at work or in the shops, wherever, we need to learn to thrill at every opportunity God gives us to be part of this amazing team that we are part of. Position yourself daily to drink that one spirit to be continually filled with the Spirit so that when you go out, you can pray, you can minister, you can touch lives. Hone your gifts and talents, just like any sportsman would do. Hone your gifts for God's glory. Step up to the plate and grab hold of this glorious opportunity that God is giving you to be part of this amazing team. Dallin. These guys. Hey, these guys have upstaged me with their shirts today, I sure. Not yet? Okay, you can hear me now. <laughs> so if anyone knows me, I love fishing. So <laughs> if you didn't know me, I brought some props to tell you that I love fishing. <laughs> so it's just amazing standing here that I'm currently looking and experiencing the body of Christ. If you look around, you are part of something that is bigger than yourself. You are part of something bigger than yourself. <laughs> Today I'm being his mouth, but every other day, I'm his hands, I'm his feet, willing to do what the Father wants me to do. So we had our preachers meeting a couple of weeks ago, and Gideon was sharing uh, that he went to go and play squash. So he decided to cy cycle there. So Gideon is one of the elders in Poch. So he didn't go alone, he took Albie with, which is also an elder in Poch. So they went to play squash, and uh, on their way, Gideon bumps his pinky finger. So wave your pinky finger, everyone. 
That's your smallest finger, okay? So Gideon bumped his pinky finger on a palisade, and uh, that cut his pinky finger almost in half, almost losing his finger close to the tendon, so it was like flapping like that, you could imagine. And within five to ten seconds, Gideon was passed out on the side of the pavement. Lucky Albie was there, got him to the hospital, he's in the cast now, he's doing okay. But the thought struck me, it's amazing how the smallest part or the smallest finger in your hand can actually take your body out. It's interesting how the smallest finger was injured, but the whole body felt pain. We are part of his body, and if the smallest part is hurting, we need to know. If the smallest part experiences joy, we should overflow, and the whole body should experience it. So that being said, my first point is, the body is made of unique members. If you read Corinthians 12, 14 to 15, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So firstly, I want to say that if your foot is speaking, you should probably see a doctor, because that should not happen. <laughs> okay? <laughs> But let me show you what I mean by being unique. So I brought along my fishing rod and my reel, okay? Both very different, but unique in their own way. A reel cannot do what a rod can do. Vian, can, if you need any more answers, Vian will tell you how it works. <laughs> but a reel cannot do what a rod can do. The reel's purpose is to reel in a fish. The rod's purpose is to cast the, the millibomb for the carp fishermen out there. <laughs> it's to cast. And I, those words that were shared today, it's amazing how sometimes we can be a reel and compare ourselves to a rod. But I'm a reel. Why, why don't I have these beautiful rings or, you know, being long like him? And then the rod, the rod can say to the reel, yes, yeah, I wish I had that handle. <laughs> but what purpose would that handle serve to the rod? We are all unique. Both designed for its intended function. The reel to bring in the fish and the rod to cast. But both, in its purpose, both necessary to catch the fish. The rod cannot catch the fish on its own. The reel cannot catch its fish on its own. But together, it makes an amazing pair. I have to do this so that the next point makes sense. <laughs> but together, they can catch that fish. We are different, unique members, but God has knitted us together in his mother's womb. Can you believe it that God has already planned for you? God already knew that you're going to be sitting here and being part of a body while knitting you together in your mother's womb. We all have different functions, but we all contribute to the same vision. And that is to know him, and that is to make him known. So point number two, the value of the unseen. 1 Corinthians 12, 23 says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater 
modesty. When I was reading this, I was thinking about the physical body. The last time I checked, you still need a heart to survive. <laughs> but you can't see the heart. If you look at the people who serve without being noticed, they play a huge role in the body. So I'm going to use a silly example. I know how much City on the Hill loves coffee. This church loves coffee. So there's a team that comes early in the morning to ensure that the urns are hot and that the coffee is ready. Sometimes you don't notice these things, but let us miss coffee for one Sunday. I'm probably going to have a line of <laughs> queries. Where's the coffee? It's amazing the value of the unseen is only noticed when it's not active. But when it's active, we don't actually notice it. So let us take time to notice the people that no one else notices. So if you look at the reel again, as you see in the reel, inside there's gears that when you turn the handle, the gears turn. But you can't see it, it's inside. And it's amazing that the more gears that are in the reel, the more valuable the reel becomes. The more gears there is, the more ratios there is, or ball bearings, the more valuable the reel becomes. And yet we cannot see it from the outside. So going on to my last point, which is better together. Just like the rod, the rod and reel, the more effective together, they are more effective together than they are apart. The body is the same. Christ being the head and we being its members. And together, we can be more effective than a single member. Ecclesiastics 4.2 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two would withstand him. A three, a cord is not quickly broken. Family, the church working together is a force to be reckoned with. The church cannot be divided. We, together in unity, we're probably working together, we'll see Jesus come sooner than we think. So the example of the rod and reel working together, both having the same vision to catch that fish. So if we can have that picture up. Yeah! <laughs> Here's that fish, man! <laughs> but I want to prove a point to you, that the real would have never been able to catch that fish alone. The rod would never be able to reel in that fish alone. But together, with my brother by my side, because <laughs> I couldn't carry it out to a tank, together we were able to reel in that fish. Working together, we can be so much more effective. So what does the why does the body exist? The body exists for the lost, for the people who are about to be saved, we exist for others. The church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. And the vision we have is to see the gospel, the good news preached in every nation. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Guys, the mandate that we have is bigger than ourselves so that Jesus Christ can be known. This is what the body is made for, to know him and to make him known.
So I'm going to ask you a question now. Can we do this city on a hill? Yes, I only heard one, yeah. <laughs> do we want to go to the nations and preach this gospel? Can we do this city on a hill? Yes. There we go. A church united is what we're looking for. Yes, we can. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you. Good morning, y'all. Um, I just want to clear the air and say that I did not just escape from prison or plan on starring in prison break uh, anytime soon. Okay, I'm going to use this one. Sorry. Okay, so before I get started, um, I just want to share a testimony of God's faithfulness in my life, and it's a short one. For as long as I can remember, people have prophesied over me, thanks, um, that I'm going to be using my voice to share the gospel and words like this, and for a long time, I was praying for it, and I was like, yes, God, when is it going to happen? You know, when, when are you going to bring it to completion? And today is the first time that I've really had the opportunity to do this. My encouragement is, if there is something, <laughs> my encouragement is this, if there is something that God has spoken over your life, keep trusting for it, keep praying over it, and He will bring it to completion. Okay, so I'm speaking about unity in the body, of course. Unity in a biblically accurate church is a cornerstone that upholds the very essence of Christian community and worship. The importance of unity, as emphasized in the Bible, is multifaceted and deeply rooted in the teachings of Jesus Christ and the early apostles. So we can see that from the get-go, unity is something that was preached by Jesus and the early apostles. Firstly, biblical unity is a reflection of the nature of God. The Bible affirms the oneness of God in the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this unity within the Trinity serves as a model for the unity that should exist among believers. Okay, so John 20, well, 17, 21 says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So we understand that the Trinity is a reflection of what unity in the body is supposed to look like today for us. The unity of believers is not just a matter of internal harmony, but is intricately connected to the cred credibility of the Christian message that we preach to the world. So it's not just for us in here to be happy with each other and at peace, but it actually gives credibility to what we say out there. You can't preach out there and have disunity among each other in here. It's, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna gel. Okay, unity also plays a crucial role in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, and he commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. A united church working in harmony and love is better equipped 
to carry out this mission effectively. The collective strength of a unified body enables the church to impact the world with a transformative message of the gospel. When we amongst ourselves are in disunity, it will have an effect on how effectively we can preach the gospel to the nations. Okay, then the main verses I want to cover today is 1 Corinthians 12, 24 and 25. And it reads as follows. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And our first point will be that God has established unity to the body. It says it in the first part of verse 24, that God has put the body together. God has restored unity to the body where the devil tried to sow disunity. Obviously, with the fall of, of man, Adam and Eve. And why would the devil want to sow disunity? It's obviously because if, if we are not in unity among each other, we will be very less, very less effective in how we preach the gospel. Sorry, my Afrikaans is coming out there. Our main goal as a church is to spread the gospel and see souls saved. This unity makes us less effective in living out the Great Commission. God wants us in unison before Him so that we can function according to His purpose within the body. Then my second point, that there should be no division in the body. And that's in verse 25. Paul uses the metaphor of the human body to illustrate the unity and interconnectedness of the church which is considered the body of Christ. He emphasizes that within the body, there should be no division or discord among its members. The idea is that just as different parts of the body have unique functions, but work together for the overall well-being, so too should members of the church support and care for each other. We are called to care deeply about one another. And that's not just on a Sunday. That's a whole week thing. Why do we want people to function in their role and in unity is so that we can be effective in ministry. Then my third point is equal concern. And it's the part that says, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. When you think of your personal relationship with Jesus, what is the thing we are chasing after? is to be more like Him. And in the Gospels, we see many accounts of Jesus caring deeply about people. And in the body, we are trying to replicate that same genuine care for people. It's not something we can force or imitate. When we truly love Jesus, we automatically learn how to love His people well. There is a genuine call to have concern for each other no matter how big or small your function currently is in the body. So, if you're preaching or if you're making coffee outside, it doesn't matter. We should have equal concern for each other. So, last Sunday, we were driving to, um, to Poch for the evening service with, with Dallin. Um, and Carl was there. Uh, and we were talking about, I don't know how we got on the topic, but how to deal with with conflict in church and Dallin said something amazing and it stuck with me 
I just, however, have to give a disclaimer. He said it is not his words. So don't come back in a month and shut him down because you found who's actually said that before. But he said, I'd rather lose the argument but win the person. And I think it's so valuable because sometimes we, we're so caught in, but, but I'm right. They, they don't know what's happening. Um, and I have the answer and they should listen to me. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's time to have an authentic care for people around us. And that we should win some less arguments if we know that we're winning souls. In conclusion, unity in a biblically accurate church is not merely a desirable attribute, but an essential characteristic that aligns with the teachings of the Bible. It reflects the nature of God, demonstrates Christ-like love and selflessness, enhances the church's effectiveness in fulfilling its mission, and embodies the interconnectedness of believers as the body of Christ. A church rooted in biblical unity becomes a powerful witness to the world drawing others to the transformative message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you. What an effective way of the body of Christ being put on display this morning. Well done, guys. Um, taking lots of notes. Really want to encourage us to live this. You know, we've been asking this question, are you, are you in the game? Are you playing your part and are you contending for the unity that God would want to express? And this morning we, we have the privilege of experiencing that as we shared words with one another, as we worship together. I want to ask the music team to come forward. We're going to close this morning with uh, a moment of, of sharing in God's body. It's, it's, a, it's a picture really of Jesus. He says that we would be united with Him, um, with him as one body um, as we partake in communion together. And so I want to ask you to, to stand uh, for us. I'm going to ask Billy to come uh, just to share with us and to facil facilitate our, our time of um, communion together. Uh, but let's stand together as we, as we participate together in what God is, because it is a picture of the body being united together as we join together in enjoying His body together. Amen. Um, I'm just reminded, um, while... I as I was preparing to do the communion, I was reminded of somebody that said something some time back, and I said, let me speak about it. And it's, um, and I go back to Genesis chapter 3, where it says that Adam and Eve, they had just sinned. They had just sinned. And you know that God was communing with them on a daily basis, and he would come and he'd walk in the cool of the day, in the garden and he would commune with them and for on that specific day he was looking for them and he says but where are you and they were hiding amongst the trees and then they said we hid because we were afraid because we are naked before you and God said but who said you are naked did you eat of the tree and they said yes we ate of the tree and so they put fig leaves together to hide their nakedness. And God in His mercy, God knew exactly the reason they were hiding. 
When God says, where are you? He's not like he didn't know where they were. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what had transpired. But he said, where are you? Because he was longing to commune with them. He was longing to have that, that intimate time with them. But they were hiding away. Because sin had caused that, that, that distance to exist between God and Adam and Eve. And God in his mercy had to, had to sacrifice an animal so that he could cover their nakedness. And that is a typology of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, you and I are sinful people. And when we come before him, we come with our fancy clothes, we come with our fancy do's, we can come with our Louis Vuitton, we can come with our Woolworths and our what, what, what. And all it is, is self-righteousness before God. It's self-righteousness before God. And that is the reason Jesus had to go to the cross. And that's the reason Jesus had to go and become that sacrificial lamb so that he could reconcile us back to the Father. So that the Father and us could be reconciled and that we could commune with one another. Outside of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are doomed. We have eternal damnation to look forward to. But thank God for the cross. Thank God for the finished work. Thank God that he, Jesus went to the cross and he said, it is finished. It is finished. And it is because of that that the Bible says that when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and when he had, he took the cup and he says, this is my blood that is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So today, as we come around the table, as we come around the bread and the juice that represents the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, we need to be so grateful, so thankful to say, thank you, Jesus, because had it not been for you, had it not been for you, where would we be? Where would we be? So can we come today with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of just saying, God, God, I can't, without you, I can't do this life. Without you, I can never be positioned to, for purpose, oh God. Without you, we can never fulfill the role and the calling that, and the destiny you've called us for outside of your sacrifice. So let's pray as we, as we uh, look forward to the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Father, today I thank you for the finished work on the cross. I thank you, Jesus, that you said, let it be me that will go and be the sacrificial lamb. God, I thank you today that you took the 39 stripes. I thank you today that you carried the cross all the way to Golgotha. I thank you that you said it is finished. I thank you, oh God, that you reconciled us back to the Father. And today we honor you and we say thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can I request that as we um, 